Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand, and this is where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. It's coffee time aboard Mighty Sparrow. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, delicious, delicious. Good morning, everybody. Hopefully, you all had a safe uh, and fun St. Paddy's Day and... Yesterday, I was able to sit down with Mary, and Mary has been a dock master and in the marine industry for quite some time. She's uh, very accomplished. She was actually the first person, first dock master I had uh, aboard Sparrow uh, coming in and being a live aboard, and it was really great because she was very, very good at sort of building a community in a marina and making it not only a bunch of docks and pilings and, and cleats, but but also kind of a home. And it was really interesting to just sit down and sort of get some of her thoughts on that. And we, we sort of get into all sorts of facets of the old uh, dock life, the boat life sort of thing. And uh, super smart. And she's worked at a few different places. Um, so she definitely knows her stuff. But it was really fun. Nice to have a conversation with her finally i've been wanting to do this one for a long time and uh yeah it was pretty cool just came out of the blue so before we get into that though let's talk about old sparrow oh man we are making headway the the gallows the solar panels everything is in it's secure it's sealed it's looking good it feels way stronger than what I had before. And uh, one of the crazy things, when I pulled the last little stump of gallows off of this boat, the screws that were holding it in were so much smaller than I thought they were. And uh, that really does go to show that, you know, when you buy a used boat, you really do want to take apart uh, and inspect a lot of stuff. You know, you can put your trust in certain aspects, but man, oh man, this was pretty shocking. You know, I I held this little screw up to the cap rail and I saw that it only went past the cap rail into the fiberglass, maybe a quarter of an inch, if that. So it was essentially just being held on by the cap rail. And although that's inch thick teak, it could have been better. So I almost doubled the size of... Uh, of these screws and it was one of those things i i would love to through bolt it and maybe i will in the future but i would have to remove the fuel tanks to be able to get access to that area so the nice part is maybe in the future i'll be able to do that but at the same time i'm pretty sure we're going to be crazy bulletproof out there uh if the same situation were to happen again i think probably yeah i might lose that solar panel but Definitely not going to lose those gallows. I shouldn't say that. I'm going to knock on wood right now. But yeah, feeling feeling definitely very, very confident with the setup we have right now and pretty happy about it. Um, yeah, it's a lot of sewing still needs to be done. We're going to do some new spray skirts and fix up the Dodger. I have this second solar panel, which is a flexible one. And that's actually going to be mounted on top of the Dodger and easily removed for bad weather or whatever and now so before i had i think it was 180 watt and then 100 watt 
So I was just under 300 watts. Now I'm at uh, 400 watts when I have both of them. And when it, when it's here on the dock and we're at peak sunlight, we're cranking so much electricity that I can still have all the electronics, some of the lights, and the refrigerator running full blast and not even taking a notch off of how much juice I have. So pretty happy with that. I know that when you go out to sea, that's got to be almost cut in half just because of the motion of the boat and uh, the fact that it's not going to be perfectly direct sunlight and all that. But still really happy with that. And I'm looking forward to sort of being out at sea and actually being able to test it out and see that happen because you know before when the fridge was off I was making plenty of electricity but you know with the fridge on it was always a struggle and you know I'd have to I'd have to amplify things with the old uh, engine every once in a while which I don't know the idea of being able to go out there now and not even blink at it and just crank that fridge and keep stuff frozen and not have to worry will be pretty fantastic so that and along with uh, having the AIS back up and running, along with its own little backup, I mean, I'm just feeling good, feeling really good. And, you know, it's funny because I kind of took a lot of that stuff for granted uh, when I was out there for the last few trips. But once you have that stuff taken away and then, you you know, now the thought of going out there with all that stuff again, oh, my, it just feels... It's going to be awesome. I'm really, really looking forward to it. So trying to keep an eye on the weather and see if it's possible to get back out for one more little rip before I have to haul this boat out of the water. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll sort of see how that goes and uh, we'll just play that one by ear. But, yeah, just a little more sea time would be quite nice to get. Uh, I just really all I want to do is get offshore and some nice weather and uh, be able to read a couple of books. That's it. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how that goes. I'm going to update things. Um, and yeah, that's about it for uh, Mighty Sparrow updates. Uh, I have been having for a Jerome update. Oh, man, I think I have a pinched sciatic nerve or something. My back has been killing me. And it's pretty much the worst back pain ever. So I'm doing a lot of stretches and stuff trying to figure that one out. But man. Talk about feeling like an old man. Oh, it's like I almost want to go get a cane or something, but I'm working on it. And hopefully we'll get that all sorted out and uh, I'll be back to jumping around and and all that sort of stuff sooner rather than later. But uh, other than that, things are going well. And uh, before we start this little conversation with Mary, like I always say, if you want to support the podcast, like 48 of you are doing it's fantastic thank you all so much for becoming part of the uh, patreon family really really helps everything out i mean it's you know let's talk about this for a second you go and you start a podcast and you're thinking oh well i'll go record things out at sea and then you know bring them back and i'll just upload them it'll be fine and then you start to get into it and you find that you really enjoy sitting down with people and and all that sort of stuff and uh you want to keep going and then people start to support it and now I want to go even more and I want to go harder and I do think we might be lined up for sort of the podcast uh, slash speaking tour this fall and that's the game plan is basically starting in September trying to book and nail down a bunch of speaking gigs all over the place and supplementing that with 
some in-person podcast interviews with a lot of people that I've wanted to do this show with, but I want to make sure it's in person. And, uh, you know, everywhere from Newport down to Florida, out to uh, San Francisco, L.A., and everywhere in between, there's all these great people that I've met along the way, and we are, uh, yeah, hoping to do that. That would be fantastic, but it does take a little bit of money. Gas prices, all that sort of stuff. I don't know, rental cars, who knows? But in any event, uh, my point being that the people that support this show, that listen to the show, and take uh, a little bit of their hard-earned quiche out of their wallet and uh, send it in to me, it's much appreciated, and it's going to be the driving force to get us up there. I mean, this will be episode 165, I think, something like that. And I'm really looking forward to getting to episode 200, and then hopefully 300, and then 500, and uh, and so on and so forth. It really does seem like it's going to be one of those things where I'm hooked. I'm hooked in, and I'm probably going to do it for the rest of my life. I absolutely love I love being able to sit and talk to people. I love being able to use this microphone as almost like therapy. And then also just the ocean stuff. I love doing those. Those are always pretty hilarious. And I'm looking forward to doing those with a little bit more quality uh, audio with this new setup that I have because it does, uh, it's pretty cool um, compared to the old way. The old way was a little tricky. You know, I'd have to have the computer out and, you know, it was glitchy and all that sort of stuff. But with this, uh, it's going to be sort of a game changer. So hopefully I'll be able to bring. Uh, bring out some on deck podcasts, all that sort of stuff. Boy, I'm going right off into the weeds. Um, so anyway, thank you all the people that support the show. You're just absolutely amazing. And, uh, I appreciate it so, so much. Other than that, we still got the merch out there, the shirts. I'm wearing one right now, the old zip up hoodie. Ooh, it's pretty nice. Uh, follow the link for, for that one in the description. And then if you want to reach out to the show, just head over to sailingintooblivion.com, podcast button, contact the show. I get those emails directly and I read them. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Doc Master Mary. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the show, Doc Master. Let me crack my white cloth. Oh, see, mine's cracked. I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready you, to go. You are ready. Oh, man. Mary, It is. Uh, I've wanted to have you on this show for, for quite some time. You are a, uh, how should I say, a legend in the field oh, of doc goodness. mastery. From is 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 Buford the furthest south you've worked? Is it uh, is? And how far north? Rhode Island, where All I am the way now. To Rhode Island, yeah. Wow. And many places in between. Uh, well, no, uh, South Carolina, Maryland, and Rhode Island. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. And you've been doing the whole doc stuff for how long? Not as long as you would think. Maybe twenty sixteen. Oh, okay. So that would have been, geez, okay. So I came down here in 2019, I believe, was the first 18 year. 18 or 19, 18 yeah. 18 or 19. Oh, yeah, I think it was. No, 18, I went to Charleston and stayed at uh, the most expensive marina I've ever been to for one month. I was only there for a month and then went down to the Caribbean for the rest of that winter. But then it was the following year that I was recommended this place and you 
Yeah, and you came in pretty battered, if yes. memory serves. Absolutely. You pulled up on that face dock looking pretty rough. Well, I had been, I believe that was the the time that I got caught in the Gulf Stream in a northerly. Yeah. And was just trying like hell to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, which was not easy. But yeah, it was, uh, I think, a very rough like 24 hours before pulling in here. Yeah. And I actually ended up staying at the marina just down before Ladies Island Bridge. Yeah. Because I hadn't been up here and it was getting dark and all that stuff. And I was, and it's dicey getting in here. Yeah, it is. Dicey. It is it we is. used to run sandwiches and beers out to people who'd run aground. Oh, right, really? Just off the bridge. Yeah, hop in the <laughs> pump out boat and bring them a snack. Well, and let me ask you about it because you've had such good local knowledge around here. Do these sort of silt bars because I wouldn't call them sandbars, but do they move around? They quite shift. A bit? Yeah, they shift. Um, we had a boater here that that actually studied it for a little while, and and it's mud. It's pluff mud, so yeah. it moves in and out, and with as much you know tidal movement, current movement, mm -hmm. the the mud will shift. Uh, so the the path in changes, and you just kind of have to keep eyes on it and make sure that you're not steering people into the mud well and that's i mean that's the tricky part here especially you know i was told stay as close to the bridge as possible and stay away from the green marker yeah and it's sort of like counterintuitive you don't but... think you should because you think it's going to take you right into the marsh yeah exactly yeah. so uh. i don't know but with the the dark you know silty water you can't see i don't have a depth sounder and essentially i'm i'm sort of the one thing i worry about because it's such a soft bottom you could actually touch bottom and not really know it and keep moving and moving. Yeah, there's. I'm sure there's a lot of keel lines dug in the mud out oh, there. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. But the nice thing is you're not going to do any damage, really. I mean, as long as you're not sucking it up into the intakes, yeah, it's okay, yeah. uh, which is something that was new to me coming down here because there's the sandbar out there that people go to the sandbar and they pull their boat right up on the sandbar. And when you're from up north, you don't that's do like, that. No, like, no, don't, don't put your boat anywhere near land. It's sharp <laughs> underneath. But that's what people do, and they can do it for fun because it's not going to not not hurt damage it. it. Yeah. yeah. Although, I mean, geez, I feel like if you did that at the wrong time with the tide, you'd be waiting there for quite some time. Yeah, and that's people, everyone who got stuck out there, they'd say, you know, what do we do? And you say, oh, you just wait it out, you know. Hopefully you got a couple ice cold ones. Would you, and if not, we'd bring them out. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a few hours. Do you guys have the same tides up uh, up north? They're pretty similar. Yeah. yeah. It's it's the swing is, you know, 6 or 8 feet. That's about what it is here. Okay. Um in Maryland there's virtually none. That's the thing that puzzles me more than anything. You know, up in Maine, we have huge, huge. tides, yeah. right? Then you get a little bit further south, and I've, I've talked to people that haul out and, and use, like, Oriental and stuff like that, yeah. and they say, eh, there's not too much tide here. You get down here, and the tide's pretty big. And it rips. The it current rips. rips and I'm here. lucky because I started boating in Rhode Island in the Warren River. That's where I'm from. And the current's about the same. So oh, I okay. learned in that current. So when I got down here, you know, people were like, boy, you've got a handle on this. Yeah. And I'm lucky I did. Yeah. Right. Because um, right. if you're not ready for it, you'll do some damage. But... Well, and that's yeah. I mean, I, I've always felt that really is probably one of the more difficult things uh, being a dock master and, and trying to inform people when to come in to these slips and all that. Because, I, I, you know, for my money, it would just be like, I want to come in at dead slack. No water movement yeah. at all. I don't want to risk it. Um, 
But I'm sure you must get some cowboys that are like, Woo, I've oh, got sure. this. Oh, yeah. And and that's, you, you know, you, you take that as it comes. And a lot of times, you know, the reality of the positions that I've had, you do from time to time, you'll still get a, you know, I'm fine, little lady. You know? <laughs> and, and so you just sort of, you have to decide as long as there aren't any other boats around, yeah. you can decide how long you're going to allow someone to make foolish choices right right right. and sometimes you just let them and they'll figure it out and you'll they'll learn that they'll learn you know that you might you might have an idea of what you're talking about (laughs) because i had plenty of people well it's my boat i know how it handles well it's our creek and we know how it handles yeah well and some some people definitely can do it they've got the experience and all that stuff but i don't know uh like i said in my opinion, it's always best to just err on the side of caution. And if it means, you know, you go anchor for somewhere for two hours. Yeah. And you can wait it out. Better but off, yeah. yeah. When I got to Maryland, you know, I said, okay, I'm new here. I was new to the Chesapeake. I'd sailed through the Chesapeake, but it was all new. And I said, okay, what do you guys do for the current? How do you handle it? And they looked at me like, what is she like talking current? about? They no. said, you know, we've got some wind. I said, well, what's the, the water what's the, goes up and yeah. it goes back down. I said, what's the range? What's the tidal range? They said, I don't know, foot and a half. And that's all it is. And that's it. So wind is your big, yeah, is your yeah, big yeah. thing in there. But no, there's nothing like it is here or New England for sure. Well, and that's how it was down at Bitter End uh, back in the day. They well, and, and and now still, their main dock system came out from the shore, and then it branched out, and then it had a bunch of little tees, and the wind in that direct little place, it's shadowed by this big like 400 foot hill, and so the wind gusts at like 20 knots from one direction, and then switches every like 30 seconds. Yeah, and that used to be the happy hour like activity was to sit at the bar at Bitter End and watch the charter boats try and come in yeah. and dock. And it was just absolute mayhem and chaos. And, you know, wind, I, at least current, you can sort of deal with it or maneuver, use it, I should say. You can crab it. If you can learn how to crab on a current and sort of ride it sideways and make your turn at the last minute, then you can bring it in. But that takes practice. Oh, it definitely I mean, does. I had to learn nerves of steel. Yeah, I would. I would beg the dock master or the harbor master in Rhode Island when I first got my boat at the town docks. I'd say, you know, can I go in a month early? And I would practice when no one was around. Oh, smart. So then you figure out how to crab it in, and by the time the season starts, because you're always it was a town dock, so you're always going to have an audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you want to know ahead of time that you can do it with an audience, and so I would just practice ahead of time. Isn't there a nickname for for the people that watch people bring their boats in? I can't. There's there's some uh, funny. I mean, I've had a few, but this, this is a family show. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah, it's. It, and it's fun to watch. And people, especially at a place like this, people come down and they, they want to see people living their dreams. You know, it, it really is <laughs> or something. Or their nightmares. It's so fascinating <laughs> to people who aren't in this world to see how it's done, to see, you know, wow, people live on their boats down here. Wow, this is this is unbelievable. I've ne- I never would have imagined that that was something you could do. Oh, yeah. And I remember when I first started working here, someone came into the office and said, you know, do you like what you're doing here? Are you re-? And I said, boy, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Like, you know, it's such a great gig. And they said, at some point, you're going to be frustrated watching other people's dreams happen. Yes. 
And that was such an interesting thing because there are so many travelers and people coming and going and people on adventures and you do, you know, all the people would come in and you'd see the snowbirds passing through and then they'd leave and you're still here, but it's such a nice spot. So it was, I mean, I've certainly had, I'm on job number 22, so I've had worse. Jobs. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, I, you know, I know that feeling. I can remember, you know, being down at Bitter End and watching people come in on their boats and they own these boats. Some, there was one kid who, who came in much younger than I was. He was a kite surf instructor and, and he and I actually didn't get along all that well. Um, but he came in one year and he had purchased a boat and I was like, how in the heck is this guy got this boat? <laughs> and, and I thank him to this day because he was big part of the impetus for me saying, you know what? I'm going to do this and I'm going to get a boat and I'm going to be the guy sailing in here. Yeah. It's a motivator for it sure. It definitely is. I mean, you know, it can be done. It doesn't take a fortune or anything like that, but I will say on the other side of that, there is kind of this nice, you know, being on the other side. So I'm here and I'm here for, you know, another few weeks, but then I got to move and there's a little bit of pressure there. And in some ways I'm kind of jealous of, you know, somebody that gets to sort of stick it out in a nice place like this, like you said. And hang back for and a hang. bit. Yeah. yeah. It's like no pressure. There's no mystery. I, you know, and I think that's one of those grass is always greener on the yeah, other side. Yeah, sure, things, sure. You know? I mean, I miss, there are days that I desperately miss living on a boat. Yeah, and, yeah, And right. now, you know, I live on land and a storm will come through and I think, boy. It's nice. Not this is to... this is okay. I, I'm gonna be all right. I don't. I'm not out in the middle of the night fixing lines and making sure that you know the halyards aren't banging and are listening. Just listening to the boat, like press up against the dock and the fenders creaking and yeah. groaning. And I, you know, sometimes that noise will put me back to sleep. Yep. Other times it'll wake me from a dead sleep, and I'm up in my boxer shorts. And it's blowing, it's raining, and I'm trying to figure out what the heck is making that one stupid noise. Yeah. Well, and it is. a community marina like this one, in a storm, you see more of your neighbors than you ever want to see <laughs> in the middle of the night. Because everyone's out at the yeah. same time, and yep. you're looking around, and you just kind of give that sort of nod, like, yep, there you are. <laughs> There's Alia. And, and here I am, and we're just going to fix it and make it through. Oh, totally. Well, and that's, uh, you know... I think as as far as because you have you've lived on boats in the marinas you work for more than just here, right? No, actually, this is the only one. When oh, I, I when I went up, a... I went up to Maryland and I decided I didn't want to live at work. Oh, OK. So okay. but interestingly enough, I lived a block from work and all the all so the they could customers come down and knock on. Your oh, door. sure. And they did. Yeah. Hey, Mary, can you put me on the pop out list tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they did. <laughs> and everyone who had a boat at the marina was in the neighborhood. So they were all my neighbors. So it was really kind yeah, of six right. of one. You know, it uh, didn't really matter. But now I'm far enough away, I guess. I'm far enough away that I can listen to this podcast. On yeah. My way to work. I know. Right. Uh, and also I, a listener. I love it. I love it. Um, one of the things that, you know, when I got down here for the first time we met and everything, it was very apparent initially to me that you had done a great job of sort of creating a culture in the marina. And I've been to enough marinas where I know some are as sterile as, as you know, an ER 
Other ones are just a disaster, and you're waiting to fall through the planks or get a disease from the bathrooms. Uh-huh. Um, but there's this lovely sort of happy medium in between those. But I do believe that it really comes down to the person who's managing the marina is the one that's going to be setting the tone and sort of creating that. I mean, if, if it was a huge marina with 500 slips, you'd probably have to have like an activities director or whatever. But for a normal one with, you know, 100 slips or so, uh, what would you call that? Just a small marina or a medium-sized marina? Yeah, it, it qualifies as small if it's 100 or less, usually. Yeah, and yeah. those those are typically the ones that, you know, have liveaboards. So there is that community. But if you don't have somebody sort of taking a little bit of the reins of that, which from from all my experiences, you've always been like the – you set the bar way up there because – you know, we would do group dinners. There would be sort of almost like game show nights. There would be these fun things that brought everybody together. And that, for me, was and still is a big reason why I still come back here. Yeah, and that and that really makes me happy. I mean, game show night was just I made everyone watch Jeopardy every I night. know, I know, yeah. <laughs> but, but it was. And, and, you know, this place was that even when I got here. It really yeah. was. I mean, I was welcomed here. I was just visiting. And it was... Got its hooks in you. Immediately. Immediately. And it was never anything that I would have considered. You know, I had a life. I had a job. I had things that I was doing. But man, was this nice. Yeah. And no one got up early. I remember that. Like, <laughs> no one no one got up early. Except for one guy uh, who'd get up in the morning and have his coffee. And I'd get up in the morning and have my coffee. Yeah. And we were here uh, at the time. There were two of us. Uh, um, my ex, who were, were very close, and it's fine. Yeah. Um, we were here together, and, and they sort of tag-teamed us. They split us up. And one, the dock master at the time pulled him aside, and the guy that I'd have coffee with in the morning pulled me aside, and they both at the same time asked us if we'd be willing to take over. Wow. And... I think they split us up because they weren't sure we'd both have the same answer. Oh, you know, right. testing the water. Yeah, a yeah, bit. but we did. It, you know, it was one of those things you don't even think about it. But boy, this would be cool. And that was your first time getting into the, you know, marine or marina industry. Marina, yes, I was yeah. working in the marine industry. I I was working as the marketing manager at Hall Spars in, oh, that's in right. Bristol. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's what I was doing, and they, they're that company, the, the U S factory was closing and they had kind of told us, you know, if you're not looking for something, start looking, which was great. You know, a lot of companies won't do that. It was really nice that they gave people that heads up. And so I thought, well, here's this opportunity, you know, let's take it. And, uh, and so we sailed down from Rhode Island and on the day we pulled in, it was the same day that the factory closed in, in Rhode Island. Yeah. It's almost Uh, serendipitous. Yeah. So yeah. That, you know, it, it worked out and luckily everyone, you know, everyone from Hall Spars landed on their feet and, and there are other opportunities. Uh, and this was a great opportunity to come down and just do this work. And I loved it. I loved it here. I mean, it was just such a fun. Oh, you could tell. I mean, from the moment I got here, I mean, there was always just uh, you, you could tell there was, uh, I'd say, just a nice bit of pride taken yeah. By you in this place and and not only just with sort of maintaining sort of the community factor, but also, you know, the, the normal day to day stuff of, you know, 
the upkeep of the place and and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And and, and everyone cared. And that was yeah. that was something that was really special and really different I think about this place in particular. Yeah. is ultimately uh, you know, I ended up running it on my own and it it was so incredible that in a pinch I knew that the people who were here would lend a hand if I needed, right. you know, cause I'm, I was the only person on the payroll for most of the yeah, time yeah, right. and it's a lot to manage because you're, you're docking boats, you're fixing plumbing, you're swapping breakers, you're painting walls. I mean, whatever needed to be done. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I couldn't but imagine it, trying to do that like it's on a, your own. It was a lot, but you know, a hurricane comes through, and we got I think five hurricanes in the four years I was here. And oh, wow. which one was the worst, Matthew? Uh, Matthew happened actually right before. Oh, um, so okay. there was damage from Matthew. That was 2016. So there was damage from Matthew on the way down. Parts of the ICW were closed. There was flooding. There was damage. Yeah. There was some damage. The worst one here, damage-wise, was Irma, which was oh, actually only... Okay. It was a tropical storm when it got to us, but it was on a king tide. Ah, uh, yes. So it flooded. It flooded the building... The docks barely hung on. They, yeah, they basically get to the top of the piling and yeah. rattle around like. Yeah, Whoa. crack the piling caps. They got that high. Wow. Uh, and a lot of docks in the area didn't make it. There were boats on the runway at the airport. Um, oh really? Yeah, oh, it was. Geez. That was a really bad one, and it was a tropical storm, but it was just the timing. Still, yeah. So yeah, yeah. there was a lot of work in the building. There was a lot of stuff, but everybody rallied. And, you know, everyone just anchors out. There's nowhere to haul out down here uh, for that many boats. Up yeah, north, yeah. up north, people haul out in the winter. So they have stands, they have crew, they can do emergency hauls ahead of a storm. But down here, it's anchor in the marsh and cross your fingers. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, because well, you're not really going to get the big threat of huge waves. You're just no. going to get the heavy winds and you're going to the the worst thing is you know you get pushed so far into like a really dry part of the marsh and then you can't get out and then you can't get out yeah. and it's and the the sort of nice thing about it with the community here is it was a lot of liveaboards mm -hmm. so everyone just sort of anchors their home out there and comes back into shore and you hope for the best and yeah, everyone's yeah. keeping eyes and looking out for each other and you know then you rally and bring everything back once it you know happens and in the building, you know, canvas shop in the building, he'd have to evacuate. Oh, yeah, Adam was telling me yeah. like, everybody's up there moving everything onto the tables yeah. and hoping and that'll be high his enough. His equipment is heavy, too, and he's yeah. been through it a lot. He's been through it a lot, and it's stressful because that's his livelihood. It's not just his home because mm -hmm. he lived here on his boat at the time. It was every, He'd lose everything. Yeah, yeah. So it was a big deal, but it, I didn't feel like a department of one at that point. Because oh, everyone was just, and, and that's something about boaters. You know, I think neighbors on land will do the same, but there is something special about boaters that you recognize, you know, how much there is to lose. Well, and I, I have a theory on that. I think that's because, you know, all of our boats are always under the threat of sinking. Yeah. Um, it'd be like, you know, if you had a house where there was always a part of that house that was on fire. Uh, but everybody was like, well, we just don't want it to spread. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so everybody's kind of looking out like, hey, Johnson, your fire's getting a little big over there. You know, yeah. same thing. Like, hey, Jerome, your water line is looking a little uh, suspect. Right. Well, and it was always a joke here that everyone's so tight and we're in such close quarters that you almost 
you don't have any sense of independence or privacy because <laughs> it'd be like, oh, boy, Jim, you haven't left your boat in three days. Everything good? You yeah, know, there's yeah, no right. way like you can't hide. But at the same time, everyone's looking out for you. And that's well, great. I can remember that the first year I was down here, uh, I was writing the book or trying to. There was something where I was desperately trying to get something done. Oh, no, you I was editing. editing trying I remember, to get it. Yeah. And, and so I'd be down here for like days and you would be like, uh, Jerome, we're just going to do a wellness check. Are you yeah, okay? Are you okay? Do you need and us I'd to send food? And I'd come up like mole man, like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's almost available on Amazon. Yeah. It was around that time. I think I called your dad to get what kind of birthday cake you wanted. Oh, it was about yes, that same yes. time. And he was oh, a good sport. Geez. He was a good sport. <laughs> well, with the um, marinas that you're working at up up north, so you're not you're not living aboard, uh, and and actually in the marina. Is there any like big differences as far as you know down south here in South Carolina to up there in huge, New England? Huge, yeah, huge differences actually, uh, and that's where I'm from. But I wasn't necessarily in the scene before. Mm-hmm. Um, so down here, it's a lot more migratory. There, you have the seasons where people are traveling north and south. They're stopping in. A lot of transient boats mm-hmm. uh, and a good number of liveaboards. The marina that I'm working at now, it's definitely more sort of weekend warrior boating um, people. Oh, right, yeah, right, right. it's it's we don't get a lot of transient traffic. We're far enough up in Narragansett Bay that you know we have the space available. It's nice for the people that can come up, but it's mostly you know people with their boats there full time, and they'll take them out on the weekends or you know breaks in the summer. Uh, but that's it. And it's and it's seasonal. It's highly seasonal, which, mm-hmm. you know, similar to Maine, you know, it's you don't have that year round. Well, if I don't get to go out on the boat this weekend, it's no big deal. I have the whole year Yeah, up there. It's really tight. So you have to make sure that people's boats are running. We've got the full service department. They oh, you only it's like a whole new. Yeah. It's a whole new situation. So it's it's much more service oriented. It's it's making sure that they can make the most out of those five months because that's really all you get up there right, of, right. of decent boating weather. Well, up in Maine, they, they have a saying, they're like, if it ain't in by the 4th of July, don't bother. Yeah. And, you know, in a lot of ways, they're right. I mean, we, we start launching at the very end of May. Most people go in in June, but they're hauling back out in September. Yeah. And we're full. We filled up this year. Pretty much by the very beginning of November, which was early for us. We're getting a lot more bigger boats up there. And so they take up more space. So we just Mm -hmm. don't have as much uh, space available. But yeah, we we pretty much filled our boatyard a month ahead of time. Yeah. Which was crazy. And, but it's beautiful up there. When it's nice, oh, it Maine is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Like I I absolutely that was just a treasure. And again, just like here. That was just a recommendation from a friend. Yeah. I mean, the the whole, we used to, in the islands, we call it the coconut telegraph. I'd call it just about the same thing here, where it's one boater sharing information about a cool spot that they go. Right. And there's something about that. I mean, I feel like in a lot of other facets of life, people will sort of keep those secrets a bit of a secret. Yeah. And rightfully so, in a you lot of ways. You have to. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want them to get ruined, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, again, speaking more on the community of boaters, 
you start to get to know the community and they start letting you in on all the secrets yeah, yeah. and then it's sort of like, oh, okay, well now I'm going to go do this and this and this. And that's how I'm going to find my little place to haul out and everything. It was just off a recommendation, called the people. They sounded great. And, good, uh, good. and here we go. So, ah, man, it's just, I don't know. It, it is um, going from just like ocean sailing, solitude, all that sort of stuff. And then jumping right into marina life and everything i have always fully enjoyed the communal aspect of being in a marina yeah i feel like it's almost i i guess some people would see it almost like oh it's like an old retirement home you know it's a bunch of old people living on their boat it is sometimes it is sometimes but But that's also great that's great yeah i mean it it rather than i would much rather be on my boat here in a marina and have friends and people and you know mixing it up rather than being on you know a 60 foot beautiful gorgeous boat anchored out and all alone all the time yeah yeah and that's and it and they stay with you i have i've been touring the area today just because i'm i'm in quickly visiting but i get messages from boaters that pass through here that pass through the other marinas and and you, they stick with you and they look out for you and yeah. and and a, a couple that i just visited i remember their boat was across from mine and they called me one night and said if we see you come down to your boat with one more bag of takeout food you're coming over for dinner tomorrow <laughs> and and that's it that's what it is and that's what it always was and that's why it was so comfortable here and so happy all the time not all the time there's you know always some bumps in the road. it's a dysfunctional family but it's your family and yeah. and they stay with you and they're very much my family and i can come home and and feel comfortable and then go back to rhode island and be comfortable there in a different way it's yeah, nice yeah yeah no, and sometimes is. my worlds collide and that's my favorite thing well yeah exactly i mean you know it's i love being able to mix it up i i obviously love my solitude but i for my money you know being able to sit here and have half a dozen or a dozen people that I know and enjoy their company. And yeah, I mean, we, I get knocks on the old hall and I might be trying to take a nap or I'm doing (laughs) something, but you know what? I'm going to take a few minutes. I'll go talk. And, uh, you know, even like you were talking about before, we have people that come and just look at the boats and they're, you know, they're, they're waiting for their dinner or whatever. And, um, if I get into a good conversation with somebody, I'll I'll be like I'll say hey have you ever been on one of these and, no uh, come on down yeah. check it out yeah. as long as my boat's clean down below yeah like, uh, I I I don't know I think it's cool for people to be able to experience it well and we used to have fascinating people that you can just strike up a conversation with if you're sitting up there at the end of the day and it yeah. could just be someone waiting for their dinner and you start to chat with them I, I met a guy who did a a book of portraits for wounded soldiers i i met uh tom brady's mother's tennis partner you know you just like you never know you never know who's gonna pass through and sometimes same thing i mean i i gave enough tours of my boat when it was you know show ready yeah yeah Uh, but it's cool because it really is we're so immersed in it all the time that you forget how fascinating it is and how unusual it is in a lot of ways. Like for us, we see people come and go. This is just what we do. This is what our life is. Yeah. But the majority of people, this is brand new this to them. Like and a it's, whole, and whole it's new cool. World. It's really cool. I mean, I went to a, a ski 
resort a few weeks ago and I'm not much of a skier. I don't care for winter, but it was fascinating to me and I'm looking around. I'm like, man, this is a whole other world. Look at all these people. <laughs> and it's, it's like that in a lot of ways. That's how I am. Like I, 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 when I was in Michigan, I was able to visit with some old friends and you know, they're married, they've got kids, they bought a little house, all that sort of stuff. And that's how I am when I walk in. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> kitchen and look at, oh, you have bedrooms and yeah. all this stuff and a, and a lawn. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So you do. It's, it's, uh, I guess it's all relative in some way. All right. So now on to controversy. Oh, bring me controversy. I want, Love I it. want your opinion on this. And you may want to bring that mic a little closer. Okay. I want to make sure everybody gets a little of this. So in the United States right now, there is a bit of a transformation going on in the marina world. And that would be going from the small uh, locally or mom and pop owned marinas. Yes. And transferring, being bought up by, and we don't have to name any names or anything like that, but being bought by large corporations that own hundreds of marinas. Yes. And they're changing the rules. They're changing the dynamic. What are your thoughts on that? It's funny. My my thoughts are mixed. Um, you know, full disclosure, I work for one of those big companies. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I've worked for both, and I've seen the benefits of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one of the things that I can say for the big company is a lot of the smaller ones are family-owned, and the families, generationally speaking don't have anyone to take it on or don't have anyone who wants to take it on. And so they run the risk of shutting down or selling to the wrong person or a lot of them are taken over by investment firms that don't know anything about marinas. And uh, you the know, quality just drops. And the quality might drop. And so one of the things that the big company can do can certainly be to funnel in capital that yeah. that the smaller ones don't necessarily have they can make the structural improvements but one of the things that is really critical as far as i'm concerned is maintaining the soul mm-hmm. of of the marinas and that's not always possible realistically speaking and that i think is something that's really tricky because that's part of why boating is what it is and i hope that there isn't a shift from it having the soul that it has to just being a more cookie cutter situation. You know, that being said, there's a little, I mean, job security, certainly for people who work in the industry that has been helpful for someone like me. I was working in Maryland. I needed to go back home to Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. I could do that. I could make a phone call and say, this is what I need to do. And there are people who said, okay, great, let's get you something up north. So the network is. So, in that sense, the network is much better. You know, the the network for boaters, there is convenience to, you know, going from one place to another and having it be familiar. Well, and are there, do they offer like membership things where it's sort of like, oh, I'm a member of this? marina group so i can go from one to the other from yeah one to the other yeah you can do that you can do that and there are benefits to that certainly um so it's sort of it's sort of a mixed bag and and it's i think there are there are benefits and there are shortfalls mm-hmm. to to both um i really enjoyed 
the small family run aspect i think it's a little bit more geared to who i am yeah and how i how i operate me too um but on the flip side of that because that's what's important to me i can be someone who brings that to the bigger operation Yeah, yeah um I mean, I'm I'm a manager. I like to think that I I manage with a lot of empathy, with a, you know a little bit more of a personal approach. That's incredibly important to me, uh, because the people that work in marinas are people, uh, absolutely. And, and, and I they... think that that sometimes gets lost. And so, it could be something as simple as I mean, for me, I'll make you a birthday cake, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. I I did it here. I and do they're it. delicious. I do it everywhere. I vouch um, for that. But. Just, you, you know, I I think I'm someone who I, I was a labor studies major for a little while in college. Oh, really? And yeah. And uh, I think that approach really dictates how I go about my day to day. And I hope that I can be someone who can bring a more personal approach to the big to the big business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I do think that shift is a reality. I think that that seems to be the trend. I think that's where boating seems to be headed. Mm-hmm. So if we can, I don't want to say infiltrate from within, cause that sounds really dire. And I'm sure there are people out there who work for these companies Maybe who just, are going to say, who is she and what is she doing? Like keeping, <laughs> just keeping it real, keeping but, it, you know, but just to, to remember, what's important and to remember you know the the company i work for has a social working group for employee well-being yeah yeah. and i i am honored that i was asked to serve on that committee uh on behalf of all the marinas and there are a lot of them in this group Mm -hmm. uh because i work on the ground and i know you, you know if i don't know what the employees need i'll certainly ask them and i can report back and it's it it's important to have people on the ground paying attention and listening and feeling valued because that's the the most important thing i think people have a, a i don't know if it's a misconception or or maybe there's some truth to it but you just feel as though you're sort of lost in the shuffle in some of the bigger operations oh yeah and i think if you have people in those bigger operations that are focused on making sure that doesn't happen then it'll be okay it's just a matter of getting more people who have that approach. Well, and there's there's always that feeling when you work for a company, you're you're always you know you're a cog in the machine, but it doesn't need to be an overwhelming like you are just a cog. Right. It's more like, yes, you are part of this mechanism that makes the whole thing work, but you're actually a valued like human being that brings a whole lot more than just tying up a boat to the table. Right. Exactly. And 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 we talked about this before, but I have told the crew that I work with, you know, they're the reason that I, I come in. Yeah, I, yeah. I enjoy having them around. I enjoy, you know, working with them every day because when you work with people, that's a family too. And you see them oftentimes more than you see your own family or oh, your totally. friends, you know, you're in Eight it. Hours a day. You're in it. And so we have each other for better or worse and and they do everything they can do to make sure that I'm smiling and getting through the day. So of course I'm going to do the same thing for them. And that's regardless of of who you're working for. I think that's just a valuable oh, approach. Yeah, I mean cuz every little team has their own sort of dynamic and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, I mean I 
it's funny because when you work on boats, it can be a little bit different, I think. Um, there are a lot of similarities depending on who the captain is. Yeah. But also there's this sort of odd thing. And I, I think it comes from the risk factor and that old timey, like, you know, the cat, what the captain says goes mm -hmm. like there's no, there's no ifs, ands or buts. And if you don't like it, that's a mutiny and that's illegal and all this sort of stuff. And I, I think that needs to be done for the safety of the vessel, the passengers, the crew, all right. that sort of stuff. But, um, I don't know exactly where I was going with that. Well, I think I, <laughs> Shoot, I think I do. I think I do because I, you know, I like to think as a manager, I can be a fun manager. I'm going to make sure that, you know, we're, we're enjoying the day as best we can because it's hard, hard work. Yes. What we do is hard. And there, you know, you've got the elements, you've got a lot of customers you want to keep happy. Our marina complex has 1,100 slips. I mean, we have a lot oh, wow. of people okay. to keep track of. And it's really, really tough. So I want to be as approachable as I can be. I want to be as understanding and empathetic as I can be. And if something goes awry it's so rare that I'm stern or I'm angry. Yeah. So if I am, it's a situation, it, yeah, you know, yeah. and people kind of know. And so it just, it's, it's an easier approach than being grumpy all the time or being hardlined all the time. It, you don't need to do that. And you can really get the best out of people and do the best for people. Uh, as long as you remember that they're people. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And that, yeah, there are definitely times where like, there's not enough time to say, please, this has to be done like right now. And then I'm off and doing something yeah. else. But those are very rare. They're the emergent time. I mean, if that was how it was all the time, you probably need to rework yeah. <laughs> the and, staffing mechanism. Right. And, and the reason that I know, I mean, I, my approach is what it is. And I also know that there's no hesitation if I need something in a crunch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when I was working, it was my birthday this past year. It was on, on my birthday. We had a boat sinking oh, and, and wow. no one knew, no one at work knew it was my birthday. Yeah. And it was the end of the day. And, it, you know, right at the end of the day. And I thought, Oh gosh, I don't want to ask these guys at the end of the day to drop what they're doing and drag this boat around. And Oh man. And I just felt so bad, but I have to, the boat's sinking. We've got yeah. to tow it around, haul it out. And, you know, I, I kept it to myself, like, oh, I'm not going to get out of here. It's my birthday. Oh, man. I didn't have to find them and ask them. I walked over to where the boat was and the guys were already on it. Yeah. And they were nice. towing it out. They had it hitched up to the yard skiff. They were singing on their way around to the to the travel lift pit. They hauled <laughs> the boat out and they had no idea that they made me smile on my birthday. Yeah. But they did. And I knew that in a pinch they'll take care of it yeah and and that's and that's what you do and 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 they know that i'll do the same for them however i can aren't those like the the most special moments as like a manager or a director or doc master or whatever uh when you there's there's few and far between in my life but there's been a few times that i can recall and i'll always be able to remember where like the team is just killing it like everybody's just working and you, for some reason, are in a vantage point to, like, see the whole operation. Yeah. And I can remember, I mean, it must have been 20 years ago now. 
sitting on this hill over the the sailing school up in Michigan that I used to run and like it was a windy day there were people rescuing boats there were people teaching lessons and I they didn't need me at all they were just doing everything and you know 30 boats out there people everywhere everybody's having fun and I was able to just go up on this hill and oversee just see the whole thing happening and I just remember almost brought a tear to my eye yeah because I was sort of like man this is it we've done it we've like it's working the way it's, it's supposed to. It's working the way it's supposed to, and I'm going to cherish this moment. And, you know, it doesn't last all long because all of a sudden you're like, oh, I think they could use me. And then you go <laughs> right in. But it's one of those things where I think for, for a manager or a director like that's when you see the operation moving and working so well and it's just so well oiled yeah, that you don't actually need to be there yeah. and it's just doing it. Oh, there's just nothing better. That's like goal completed. That's, you know. Yeah. And and you take that with you and you recognize who those people are and what they're doing for you. Yeah. And, yes. And I I just came down here a couple months ago. Uh, you know, I came down for a Marine Corps graduation at Paris Island mm-hmm. because the first person, I haven't been a manager that long. And so the first person I ever hired uh, it was a dock hand at the marina in Maryland, and he grew into the role. And he saw that you know I needed support, and he was there for me every step of the way. He made the job fantastic. He ultimately ended up joining the Marines, and so I flew down for his graduation. Oh, wow, that's cool. And and I surprised him at his graduation, and it was because he was. I can't imagine not doing that because he was always there for me. Yeah, yeah. And and so I will absolutely show up and he'll send me updates and I know where he is now and what he's doing and what the training is. But that's I've I've taken pieces. I'm so fortunate because 22 jobs. Mm-hmm. Um and I know that I I, I counted because <laughs> yeah. that particular person actually asked me to count one day cuz he he said is there anything you haven't done yet? And there is. There's plenty, but there's a lot I have done. Yeah. And we counted, but I'm lucky because I have you know, little groups of people from all of those different lives that I've had. And I've had, I worked in show business. I've worked on ambulances. I've done a lot of different things. And all of those people have traveled with me in a way. And I've taken skills from all of those jobs too. And I use them in, in every aspect of everything I do. It's a, it's a strange resume, but it's helpful. Well, all these, yeah, I mean, life is just a series of these different experiences. And, you know, it it can be easy to do one thing and then just move on and it's gone. It's in your past. But it's if you take the time to nurture it, you know, you can, like you said, carry these people and these experiences with you throughout your whole life. And, yeah, by the end of it, you're you got a freaking mountain. Yeah. Of friends and people and, and all this stuff. And I mean, yeah, isn't that the goal? We all get old to a point where we can all just sit around in one place and tell stories. And think about your people. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. All right. Well, we, we're already well up on the old time. Um, oh, goodness. But before we go, because this has been great. Um, so you've done a bit of sailing. Yeah. Is there any uh, any want of getting back out on the ocean and visiting tropical islands or anything uh, yeah. like that? Yeah, well, yeah, because I didn't get to the tropical islands. I made it as far <laughs> south as Beaufort, South Carolina. Uh, so sure, of course there is. Yeah, um, that was again. You, you get tired of making other people's dreams happen. Yeah. You know, it is one of those things. Uh, right now, uh, I'm settling in. I'm settling into winter again, yeah, which yeah. is tough. Uh, but, but I'm in a place 
you know, same theme. I have my people. Mm-hmm. So if you can't go out and do those other things you want to do, at least you have your people around you. And I have, you know, new people even since I've moved back. I, the 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 crew is growing, I and that, I yeah. and I love that. Um, but sure, yeah, I'd like to get out again and actually get to the places where I always dreamed of going. Well, what is the dream? Well, if you had your choice, if if somebody said, "Hey, you know what, Mary? Next next Ooh. winter, you're free. Here's a boat. Where are you gonna go? Where are you going?" Uh boy i guess i hadn't thought that far into it ah. warm somewhere warm somewhere warm right. um where the where the bottom's not sharp so you know somewhere i can see the bottom so i know oh, where i'm going oh, you know maybe the bahamas yeah uh, bahamas or vis or it, you know just something something along those lines i would think nice well hey you know the caribbean it is uh it's a warm welcoming place yeah. my my goal personally if if it all works out next winter to uh, possibly get all the way down to like Grenada nice, and then yeah. slowly work my way back. But that's if, you know, the big offshore ocean trip doesn't call my name again. Somehow. I feel like it will. It always I feel does. like it will. Yeah. But, you know, it's been quite a few years of doing that and coming back with my tail between my legs. So, but Sparrow gets you through. Sparrow does get me through, but it's becoming quite a lot <laughs> but it's of work. A lot, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to keep putting <laughs> to her rebuild. back together. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll see. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Mary. This was great. I've always wanted to, like I said, just uh, have you on because you've you've definitely been sort of a beacon for me. I mean, I I don't know how many times I've put my heading right at you know beaufort south carolina like get me to st Helena sound or, or port royal sound and and get back here and uh it was great because when i first got here you were the first person who tied me up so yep that's right at the end of this very dog. on a rainy rainy day it and was I, miserable out. well and that yeah that was the nice part because i can remember being a little stressed about having to pull into some slip and the currents and everything and you were like don't even worry about it. we'll put you right on the end super yeah. easy and we'll keep you there until there's no wind or nothing and yeah and you came in with a smile on your face and as a, i'm and sure a you do 